1: Welcome to move your mind my name is Nick Brax and this is a podcast where we have real conversations with real people and give real advice in a world driven by data technology and innovation. It's easy to forget that one of the most important skills to possess both personally and professionally is your ability to understand and manage your emotions. There's no shortcut to working on emotional intelligence that it can lead to unlocking your full potential, fostering healthier relationships and achieving enormous success. At its core, emotional intelligence is the ability to recognise, understand, manage and influence your emotions and the emotions of those around you. It's not about suppressing feelings, but harnessing their power for positive outcomes. When you possess emotional intelligence, you become the architect of your life. Consider the workplace, where emotional intelligence can be the difference between a mediocre career and an exceptional one. It's the leader who inspires trust and loyalty because they genuinely care about their team's well-being. It's the employee who excels not just because of their technical skills, but because they understand the unspoken dynamics of collaboration. In your personal life, emotional intelligence is the glue that binds families and friendships. It's the parent who listens to their child's fears instead of dismissing them. It's the friend who senses when you need a shoulder to cry on without you saying a word. Emotional intelligence is not an innate gift reserved for the lucky few. It's a skill, and like any skill, it can be learned and honed with practice and dedication. It starts with self-awareness, knowing what you feel, why you feel it, and how it affects your thoughts and actions. From self-awareness, we move to self-regulation. It's about managing your emotions, not suppressing them. It's about finding constructive outlets for anger, stress, and anxiety, so they don't control you. Then there's empathy, the ability to step into someone else's shoes and understand their feelings and perspectives. Empathy builds bridges and fosters compassion, and it's a cornerstone of meaningful relationships. Finally, we have social skills. This is the art of effective communication, conflict resolution, and collaboration. It's about building rapport, inspiring trust, and creating an environment where everyone can thrive. My next guest has dedicated his life to this subject. Robin Hills has over 35 years business and commercial experience helping executives and leaders develop business performance through increased self-awareness and understanding others. His focus is in supporting personality and behavior in business based on the everyday application of emotional intelligence. This is the second time Robin's come on the Move Your Mind podcast. Robin, so good to see you again. We were talking just before and it was probably a year and a half or two years ago, which is kind of crazy how quick time goes. But yeah, great to see that you're still doing all of the amazing work that you know we were talking about last time. It's great to have a catch up, Nick. Thank you. Yes,
2: I think we were in the middle of the pandemic or just coming out of it when we last spoke and things have certainly progressed and the world's changed since then and some things for the better and some things for the worse, but here we are.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I think that's pretty accurate. (laughs) It's changed a lot since then for the better and worse, but we're here and it is, you know, it, it feels to me like it was only six months ago that we last spoke, or it 's crazy how quick time goes, but I think that's just the modern world you know it moves at such a fast pace, and we need people like you you know talking about and offering the tools that you're offering because how how do we switch off otherwise and it's something that I'm trying to work more and more on. I think a lot of people are, but we we struggle to because It is just so chaotic so yeah I think it's um, great what you're doing and I guess yeah I want to find out what you have been up to recently.
2: Oh I've been up to a lot um, going for for global domination like you are but uh, striving to get the messages out there really to try and help people to help themselves to lead a more fulfilling life and to feel much more in control and as you say last time we spoke it was a while ago so long ago that both of us have forgotten but it does seem like six months ago and i think that's because we had a really good conversation
1: i think that's another part exact 100 percent, and it's a crazy thing where i think what it reinforces is how important it is to really connect with people because i always say you know the best thing about doing this podcast is i get to sit here for you know Focused amount of time, and we have these conversations. And most of the time, you know, we had never met before that. Most of the time, I've never met these people. But because you're actually both making the time to really connect and understand each other, learn about, you know, the work you're doing, learn about your philosophy, whatever else, you build that connection. And we don't build that in so many aspects of life. A lot of the time, we don't build that with our own friends, let alone with a stranger that we're talking to.
2: No, and interestingly, um, the work that I do is in the business environment and the sort of things that we talk about on your podcast are not the sort of things that are necessarily shared within the business environment. Certainly when I go into businesses and talk to them about emotional intelligence, which is my specialty area, um, I don't necessarily use those two words when I'm talking to them about what it is that I want to talk to them about. I'm using words like leadership development, uh, performance management, aligning values with the business, communication, teamwork, and uh, emotional intelligence really underpins all of that. But emotional intelligence is, is beyond that as well. It's how do you as an individual, look after yourself in such a way that you can build up authentic relationships and make the appropriate decisions that you need to make.
1: Yeah, so that's super interesting and is, is a big part of that because they also respond better to you using language that's more familiar with the business environment?
2: I think that's partly it. I think also there's still this fear of emotional intelligence digging into areas that they don't want to dig into. A lot of organizations don't necessarily want to recognize emotions as being something that they should uh, tune into. And that's probably because they've got a very simplistic view of emotions. It's, It's basically the six basic emotions, which include fear happiness sadness and anger and some of those they don't want in the work environment and some of them they do but whether they like it or not they're going to get all of those emotions plus many many more and the more i learn about emotions the more fascinating it becomes because as i sit here talking to you what emotion am i experiencing (laughs) i don't know it's a pleasant emotion But I can't necessarily put a a label on it. It, um, When we spoke last time, we spoke a lot about contentment and happiness. Am I feeling contented and happy? Mm, Yeah, a little bit. But it's beyond that. There's something else. There's that engagement you were talking about. It's engagement and emotion. And it's interesting because if you look at some of the academic studies, uh, there could be anything between 3,000 and 27,000 emotions, depending upon what journal you're reading. Now, some of those emotions, we just can't put labels on. And some of them, um, we just don't have words for. And some of them, uh, I, don't, I don't know perhaps the words exist, but I don't even know them. <laughs> so uh, I, what we've got to do is to look at how we're feeling. And just simply put it, is it a pleasant emotion? or is it an unpleasant emotion? And then we need to further subdivide them. Is it a pleasant emotion that I'm using constructively? Is it an unpleasant emotion that I'm using constructively? Or is it a pleasant emotion that I'm using destructively, or a pleasant emotion that I'm using um, constructively, have I got that right? <laughs> so I think you
1: did. I think you did.
2: Pleasant yeah, and, <laughs> and then constructive and destructive. So pleasant, constructive. That's what we're doing at the moment. Unpleasant and constructive. That was the emotion that I felt prior to joining the podcast. Degree of right. anxiety. Degree yeah. of concern. Am I going to go in the right room this time? <laughs> How am I going to get on with Nick? Is he going to be the nice guy that I thought he was last time? I mean, these, these are not pleasant emotions, but using them constructively, I'm getting myself psychologically and physiologically in the right place. And then pleasant emotions that are being used destructively is when we get joy at other people's failings, or um, Mm. we're using passive-aggressive behavior, or we're doing things to please ourselves that are at the detriment to other people. And we've got to be very, very, very careful of the unpleasant, destructive emotions, which really is the sort of focus of your work and your podcast how do you stop people going into stress related places that cause them anxiety and even worse clinical depression
1: yeah yeah and i think it's the way you're framing it there is such a simple and effective way of thinking about it because it it made me instantly feel just so much so much less overwhelmed thinking about it that way, because you can, then you've got a framework where you can just apply something, you know, really simple to a very complicated thing. Like you're saying, there's all these emotions. Sometimes we don't know why we're even feeling a certain emotion. We might have everything going, you know, how we wanted it in our life, yet we're feeling anxiety or we're feeling something that we can't explain. So then if you can just go back to one of those four things, okay, is this, if it's a negative emotion, um, how can I use it constructively? Then it just simplifies it. Am I being, um, am, am I using a negative emotion in a destructive way? Okay, well, that's not good. I need to think about that. And we fall into those patterns so much of the time. I mean, would you say it's addictive for people to fall into the pattern of using, as you were saying, on the, on the, other side using emotions in a in a negative way and trying to bring other people down, trying to, you know, whatever it is, using these neg- negative emotions in that way? Is that something people get almost addicted to without knowing it?
2: Oh, very much so. You know, there's a manager that you don't get on with at all. I mean, mm. Well, let's, let's take away the word you. There's a manager that somebody doesn't get on with and... They will do anything in their power, and they often don't have the power, to undermine that manager at every opportunity. Um, and they will use passive-aggressive behavior. It's not the emotion that is negative. It's the behavior that comes from the emotion that's negative because they're feeling pleasant at that point. They're, they're enjoying annoying the manager They're enjoying the process of being destructive around their behavior towards that relationship. Now, if they were only to recognize that that's what they were doing and use that pleasant emotion in a more positive way, what is it that's causing the problem with the relationship? And uh, try to identify ways of bringing it from a negative relationship to a positive relationship. I think that's the way forward. Now, again, easy for you and I to talk about it. Yes, let's have a jolly conversation around these sort of behaviours. But it's very, very, very difficult to do when you are immersed in an environment where you just do not get on with your manager.
1: Hey guys, if you're enjoying this podcast, please click the subscribe button, leave a like or comment, share with your friends, and follow me on Instagram at Nick Brax. I really appreciate your ongoing support. Yeah, and and I I I presume it's similar to even saying, How do I come off a drug addiction or something like that? You know, it's a there's a positive emotion in the short term from taking cocaine, for example, or some sort of drug. But then there's negative consequences and it's not, you know, it's not leading to anything positive for you, but that's very addictive and difficult to stop doing because you're, you know, if you do this, take this certain action, you're going to get this instant feeling the same way as like you're saying with the manager complaining about someone, you get a hit of dopamine. Oh my God, I feel, I feel better. I got that frustration out, but you're actually not doing anything to fix the problem you're actually just so the the ironic thing of that is you end up harming yourself more than the other person anyway because you're the one sitting in your problem you're not you're 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 stopping yourself from actually taking action to solve anything
2: It, it is and there's a couple of things that you mentioned within that nick um these this sort of pleasant destructive behavior is negative, And in the long run, it can lead to mental health issues. So we've just got to recognize that it is a pleasant set of emotions that you're feeling, yet the behavior that you are driving through those emotions uh, can cause problems. And it's going to be problems for the person experiencing that emotion and experiencing that behavior. So that is the thing to knock on the head. Now, the other thing that I really do want to say about uh, this is that it is very pleasant to have a good cathartic moan at times. (laughs) So recognize when you're doing it, enjoy it. Have that moan, have that conversation with the person who is listening and joining in the conversation and agreeing with you. Spend however long that you need to, but come out of it and think, right, what am I now going to do to make it better? What am I going to do to change the situation? And it feels good to come out of a cathartic moan. So, what I am not saying is do not have a cathartic moan. I'm saying, do have it, enjoy it, but recognize it, compartmentalize it, and then move away from it and do something more positive as an outcome from it. Or even recognize that you can't do anything about it but come to terms with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes so much sense. And how much of a um, problem do you think it is now, having that we, a lot of people are just chasing chasing that next hit that next feeling and i mean you can see it if someone has, i guess it's opportunity or perceived opportunity if someone has all the resource in the world if you come from a lot of wealth theoretically you can sort of use that to just give yourself whatever you feel like you need in that moment but that's not going to lead to you know anything positive and on a smaller level a lot of us now can feel like through the internet social media and all of these different things. Instead of doing what's necessary and probably going to be good for me long term, what if I just get that hit of dopamine? What if I just get that validation, do this, do that, and constantly just making every decision all day, every day based on how do I just try and feel instant gratification and get that, get that filled in that moment? How big of a problem do you think that is in the modern world?
2: Oh, very much a, a real problem in the modern world. Let, let me give you a really good example mobile devices how yeah. uh, addicted are we to mobile devices and whenever i'm running a training course what i will do is i will ask people to put their mobile devices away and people find it incredibly hard to do that and more often than not they're having a sneaky look under the table and i know that's what they're doing Or well, they'll go out to, out of the room in order to get their <laughs> dopamine fix So uh, I've I've actually used that in a lot of my emotional intelligence workshops, uh, whereby I will say to them, all right, get your mobile phone out. And what I'd like you to do is to go and find somebody in the room who you don't know very well and talk to them about your mobile phone. What is it that you like? What is it that you don't like? And uh, they'll go away. They'll have this conversation. I'll let it run for a good five, ten minutes because they're really enjoying it. And then I'll say to them, okay, right, what I'd like you to do is to hand your mobile phone over to the other person and go and sit down. You would be surprised how hard people find that. Oh, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I'm expecting a, a call. No, 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 I, what happens if a text comes in? Look, I don't don't care who you are. I don't care how important you are. The world is not going to implode because you don't receive a phone call or a text. You're <laughs> in a training course with me at the moment. So that should be your focus. The company isn't going to collapse. The stock market isn't going to collapse. Hand your phone over and go and sit down. And then we talk about how people are feeling. And you'd be surprised the range of emotions that you get. Most people find it incredibly hard. They're very, very twitchy. They're looking over the other end of the room, making sure the other person isn't looking in their phone. Now, how how they can do that, I don't know, because they haven't got their fingerprint or their face print or anything. (laughs) They really are incredibly twitchy around it. And then I say to them, okay, go and get your phone how you feeling now. And it gives them a really, really good example of how emotions can be quite intense and how they can change. And it also highlights to them how they are so addicted to that device that it can cause these problems that we've been talking about. It's impulse control, very low impulse control, and it lowers emotional intelligence And a lot of people, once they appreciate that, they don't do anything about it. (laughs) They
1: They just don't don't
2: recognize it and they're back to the same old habits again. What we've got to do is to really, really concentrate on breaking these habits. And we've got people want.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,
2: want to break the habit themselves. So it's not a case of me running one simple 15-minute, 30-minute exercise and suddenly, lo, they've lost the habit of a lifetime. They've got yeah. to want to break that habit, and that's incredibly hard.
1: And probably harder than um, most other habits because it, it would be like if I have a eating problem that's going to be really hard because we have to deal with food every day. If I want to lower my time on my phone, um, manage that addiction, how do I do it when I actually still am going to be using this same device that I'm addicted to every day? So this thing's going to be there in front of me. How do I, how do I control that when I need to use it? It's almost if you can go cold turkey on something and I quit alcohol um, about a year ago now and I found it difficult maybe for the first couple of weeks, and then it wasn't that hard because it was just a decision of, okay, I don't drink anymore, and that's it. But things that we need or are going to have in our day to day life, that's so difficult to manage that because it's just, it's in front of you.
2: It is. It, it is. It's like you say, if people are overeating and they're overweight and they want to break that habit, it. We can't call it a habit of a lifetime because we need to eat. Yeah. So yeah. how do you actually then overcome the desire to eat, particularly if you're feeling very, very hungry? It's very, very hard, and it's very easy for me to sit here in judgment of people, which I I, I do not want to do. But it's really a case of helping people to recognise that they have to own that issue, and they have to own their addiction, and they have to own their habits, and make a conscious decision that they want to change. And whilst it's easy to say, it's very difficult to do. And what we've got to do is to say, look, how can I help you? What is it that I can do to support you? It's going to be challenging. You're going to find that you can have good days, you can have bad days, but what is it that you need? And you can do it. You just need to put your mind to it and uh, you can get yourself some support all the way through, but you need to want to do it for yourself, not for me, not for anybody else. Do it because you want to do it.
1: Yeah, 100%. And and it is really important that people do understand how difficult these things are going to be to do because there's no point, you know, sugarcoating things because you'll try and do it and then you'll you, you just won't stick to it so i think it, understanding it's going to be difficult putting the measures in place to be able to try and stick to whatever it is we're trying to break if it's the phone usage and and then trying to make yourself accountable we just you know we need to really talk about these things like you're saying and i love that exercise i might have to might have to steal that exercise next time i do a talk and see how it goes i'll report back to you how it goes
2: <laughs> oh please, please do! I, I can't lay like, claim to that. Um, that exercise, uh, a coach that I was doing some work with, suggested it to me, and I thought, <laughs> "Aha, that sounds interesting." So I've taken it and used it, and uh, it works brilliantly. Have some fun with it.
1: It's fascinating. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And just finally, in on the on the corporate. Side of things, the work you're doing in in the in workplaces, are you are you seeing in general through your work and just through society as a whole, is is um mental health, self awareness, these um emotional intelligence, is is it improving in workplaces from what you can see in general?
2: I can't answer that question, Nick. I don't know. I'm mm. not actually measuring it. I'm not researching it. Yeah, uh, and there are people that are getting more self-awareness, or are feeling fulfilled through the practice of emotional intelligence. And people will come along to me and say, they've had value from my input, whatever it is. And I congratulate them because they've made a difference. And they've become more self-aware and they've focused in more on their emotional intelligence. And there are some people that are stuck in the depths of despair, and I think we've also got to recognize the importance of the fact that there are going to be some people who do go into um, problems. They do have problems. They, they may be bipolar, and there are going to be times when they go when the black dog descends or the, um, and they yeah. really are feeling very, very, very low now in those sort of circumstances what we've got to recognize it's nothing to do with emotions emotional control normal behavior pleasant unpleasant emotions constructive destructive all that stuff we've been talking about it's the fact that their brain does not have a biochemical in the right place at the right time and they need a little bit of support yes um, pharmacological support and they need some clinical intervention to help them. We've just got to recognise that that is not a failure. The very fact that they are seeking that support, the very fact that they are taking that pharmaceutical is the right thing to do. And often these things will take weeks, if not months, to uh, work through. And we've just got to congratulate people for taking that very hard step of getting that support and being proud of the fact that they need to do that because their brain is different from my brain, which is different from yours, Nick.
1: Absolutely. I think that's a, such an important point. Um, I, I think we need to talk about that more and reduce that stigma because and help people understand that because it's literally like saying, I have a problem with my eyesight. I'm going to go and get glasses and now I can see clearly. If someone has that that issue, if they've got bipolar or whatever it is, this this um, you know it it can be it can be solved. You know, medication might be the answer if if you do have that. So we need to understand that because I think there is still a lot of stigma around that, and a lot of people, like you're saying, see that as a failure or see that as um, something that you know you only resort to if you're not able to cope with other measures, but it could just be the fact that no, you're there's that actual medical condition that you have where taking medication is going to put you on the level of what everyone else is naturally at, and then you can go about your, you know, your life from that standpoint.
2: Yeah. What I would encourage people to do is when they are in the depths of despair, just to recognize it not feel a failure, Mm. is there anything that they can do, anything that they can do in that state that perhaps I can't do or you can't do? Is there anything that they can recognize? And if it is the case of being a lot more gloomy, a lot more critical, a lot more down, then work with it. Try and um, utilize it to your benefit or if needs be. Needs to be just wallow in it, just yeah. n- knowing full well that hard as it may be, hard as it may be, it's going to take time to come out of it. But you will come out of it and just Absolutely. relish that time and look forward to it. Again, I've got to say to your listeners, and I've got to say to you, Nick very easy for me to say, very easy for me to say, it is so hard to do. So, who is it that you can get? around you to give you the support that you need
1: hey guys if you're enjoying this podcast and want to learn more i've released my first book move your mind how to build a healthy mindset for life where i talk about my own journey with mental health and share tips from experts on how to maintain a healthy mindset you can buy the book on amazon or through my website at book. yeah exactly no it really is so yeah, the more we talk about this and acknowledge, acknowledge that, you know, it's not easy, but it's just taking that first step, putting that foot in front of the other. And yeah, I love everything you're talking about here. Uh, last time you spoke about someone you were mentoring. Can we, can we touch on that and get an update of where that's at?
2: Sure. I'm not mentoring him anymore. He was right. uh, a young lad. He had um, ADHD and um, he was being bullied at school, and he hadn't been to school for a a number of months because of this bullying, because of his condition. He was very, very high on the autistic spectrum. And when I met up with him, I said to him, look, I don't care what it is that you can't do. I'm really, really interested in what it is that you could do that I can't. And we talked about his autism. He was a bit reluctant to start with because of the social stigmatisms around that. But um, the beauty of this is that I'm so proud of that young lad. I I stopped mentoring when he became 18 and the the organisation that I was working, or I am working with, they say when somebody hits their 18th birthday, they're not eligible for a mentor anymore. So I uh, wished him all the best, and I saw him on his way. And I heard from him a few weeks after I'd stopped mentoring. He'd gone along to join the local conservative club, and he'd also um, taken responsibility for uh, autistic awareness within his school. And he was the representative going out representing autistic awareness. He was saying a lot of that came down to me and the work that I did with him. And I am not taking any of that. That's all down to him and the work that he's done. I might have been the catalyst in that. Um, Okay, I might accept that. But I'm really proud of the fact that he's done it. And he has made a difference to his life and actually utilised what he's got, and gone away and done something really positive with it. And I had conversations with him about times when I was feeling anxious or feeling Mm. annoyed or feeling angry or feeling unworthy. And I I think that was a bit of a revelation to him because he thought that he was the only person who experienced these emotions. So having that conversation with him, adult to adult, I think was helpful to him. Um, so that's where I'm at with, with him. I'm not, as I say, working with him anymore. It's his birthday this week, so I'll send him a text just to wish him all the best. I've got another new lad that I'm working with, and uh, he's mildly to moderately deaf, but there's another story for another time.
1: Wow. Well, okay. Next time, I'll have to get an update on on how that's going. But mentorship is so important i think we all need guidance we all need mentorship and i think that's amazing you're doing that and like you're saying you know it's giving people that advice so they can be empowered to make their own decisions and go on that path but you know everyone needs it we we all benefit from it no one can do everything on their own and and you know i love that message it, a lot of the the world won't cater to people that think differently but it's not because there's anything wrong with them. Like you're saying, they just need the opportunity to think, hey, hang on, where can I fit into the world? What skills do I have that other people might actually not, not be as strong in where I can you know, do my own thing and do something different? And, and that's often a lot of the people that make big change in the world. So I think it's, yeah, it's so important. So I think that's a, a great story. And you know, very, I lo- love getting that update.
2: Well, thank you for asking.
1: So Robin, we finish as you might remember with five closing questions each time. So I think it'll be Ooh, interesting yeah. to <laughs> <laughs> Well it'll be interesting to do it again and we can compare your answers this time to what we had last time and, and see what comes up. But um, the first one is what is the best childhood memory that comes to mind for you?
2: Yes, I remember you asking me that question last time when we went all around the houses and I did tell you a story about the fact that I have moved around the United Kingdom a lot. Yeah. And um, I really will go back to that and say to you, Nick, that uh, I'm very, very grateful for having that opportunity to move around the country because I've got great friends from all those places that I've lived. Um even uh, they are childhood friends that i've grown up with and i often meet up with them and we talk about how our lives have changed since then so uh it's not a specific memory it's the fact that i've got lots and lots of memories demarcated around the places that are various places that i've lived
1: which is yeah i love it i love that and i think variation in life is so important, and having those different memories to draw on, yeah, that's what life's about. All of these experiences. Uh, the next one is, what do you think is currently the biggest burden on mental health in society?
2: Um, and last time I was talking about people being labelled, and I, again, I will go back to that. I, I, I mm. talked to you about my mentor having ADHD and being on the autistic spectrum. And again, these are labels. And what we need to do is to look at breaking down the stigma around labels. We've talked about stigma, and I think the biggest barrier is having these stigmas. Um, And if you've got a label, make the label work for you. Nick, I will share something with you here. I'm actually mildly to moderately deaf. I wear hearing aids. It's not a problem for me. I actually quite enjoy the stigma of it because I think people get quite frightened. Oh, I don't know how to respond to this. Not not your problem. It's
1: it's mine, but it's not a problem at all. I actually quite relish it. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing. And, and actually since we last spoke, um, actually found this out through, since I started dating my my girlfriend, um, I've got, you know, ADHD and quite, quite severe that I had never had identified. And sort of, it made sense for a lot of my own mental health journey and being able to identify that and, you know, start understanding it and working through it just made so, such a difference because you actually then can, you know, realize, okay, this is why my brain's working that way. And, start looking at how you can make that you know work for you in the direction you're going in.
2: Yeah, this is what makes you special.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, what is your personal definition of happiness? It's,
2: again, um, going back to our last conversation we were talking about uh, happiness versus contentment, it's... Let's go back to our conversation that we just had. It's a very pleasant emotion, so make sure that you're using it constructively to get into areas of flow where time seems to stand still and you are doing your best possible work. Use the happiness that way. Don't use the happiness destructively to destroy relationships or take too many risks.
1: Great answer. Really good answer. I think this one might be different from last time. I can't remember if I asked you this one, but the next one is, what are you most afraid of? (laughs) <laughs> Looking like an absolute or sounding like an absolute wally on
2: your show, Nick. <laughs> no, going into situations, we're going into the unknown. And we will always experience a degree of fear, recognize it. What is it that we're worried about losing? Um, and I think if you can identify that, yeah, there are things that are, that make me very, very fearful on a kind of global level, on a kind of society level, and on a personal level. Globally, I'm really, really fearful of of climate change and the fact that the politicians don't seem to take it seriously. On a society level, yeah, I think we are doing things... um, Our focus seems to be wrong on many, many, many fronts, Fear for me and my family in terms of how we can establish ourselves for the future in the most appropriate way, and um, you know, fear on a day-to-day basis. Am I doing the right thing? Am I living to my values? Am I um, making myself look a wally and sound a wally? What I'm talking to Nick is the word wally an appropriate word, or is it something that you're familiar with, or your listeners are familiar with?
1: I'm enjoying hearing that one. It's, I've heard it before, but it's definitely not something in Australia that we say. So I guess that's a UK sort of is, phrase, isn't
2: it? I like I it. I don't know how to define it. It's somebody who is who makes themselves look incredibly stupid, let's put it that way.
1: <laughs> oh, well, I can assure you you're not doing that on the podcast. So there you go. <laughs> so final one, what are you most proud of?
2: Um, there's a lot of things that I'm proud of. I'm proud of the fact that you and I have had a great conversation. We've connected at a very deep level uh, for a second time. Look, let me just leave it at that. That's what I'm proud of at this particular moment in time.
1: I love that. Well, so am I. And yeah, it's so great chatting to you again, Robin. I really appreciate you making the time. Always enjoy these chats. I think the work you're doing is incredible. And Oh, last thing before we finish up, um, where where can our listeners go if they want to find more about you? Well,
2: if you put my name into LinkedIn, uh, you'll find me on there. If you put my name into Facebook, you'll find me on there. If you put my name into Google with emotional intelligence, I will come up there. Look for me at eiforchange.com. That's ei That's ei4change.com. number four change.com. And if you're interested in my online courses, go to https colon backslash blackslash courses.ei for change.info.
1: And we will have all of those in the show notes. So so for all the listeners, make sure to check it all out because you're doing incredible work. So, yeah, thank you again for making the time.
2: It's been brilliant,
1: Nick. Thank you. It's been great. Appreciate it. Great to see you. Thanks so much to Robin Hills for joining me today for Move Your Mind. Also, a huge thank you to those of you listening. I really appreciate your support. If you'd like to learn more or connect with me personally, visit www.nickbrax.com or send me a DM on Instagram at nickbrax. Please don't forget to click the subscribe button, leave a like or comment, share with your friends and follow me on Instagram. It really makes a difference. Thank you so much.